From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It's great to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your first time to tune in with us, we're especially glad that you've joined us. Our scripture reading for today comes from Psalm 100. Psalm 100. And it says this. Shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with celebration. Come before him with shouts of joy. Know that the Lord is God. He made us. We belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his own pasture. Enter his gates with thanks. Enter his courtyards with praise. Thank him. Bless his name because the Lord is good. His loyal love lasts forever. His faithfulness lasts generation after generation. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, imagine, uh, imagine for a minute that you are at a restaurant, doesn't matter which restaurant, pick your favorite one, you're at a restaurant and you're sitting at a table all by yourself. And the reason that you're sitting there by yourself is because you were supposed to be on a date, but when you showed up at this restaurant, your date was nowhere to be found. And so you hung around at the front for a little while, uh, a few minutes went by, you, you called your date to, to try to see where they were, what was going on, uh, they didn't answer, that was odd, so you, you checked your calendar to make sure this is the right day and this is the right time, and you wait around a little more still, that the date doesn't show up, you try calling them again, they, they don't answer. Uh, after a while, you, you get kind of hungry, and so you decide to just go ahead and, and get a table, and you end up sitting at the table by yourself for 30 minutes, 30 minutes goes by, and then finally after 30 minutes, after hearing nothing from your date at all, you finally see your date walking up to your table. Now, what would you say to your date in that moment? What would you say? Well, it kind of depends on what you believe about that person, right? Like if this is your spouse of 30 years, and if you have every reason to believe that they love you and they care about you and they would never purposefully stand you up, then what you might say in that moment is, oh my gosh, honey, are you okay? I was so worried about you. Is, is everything all right? On the other hand, if this was your first date with this person, and if you already kind of suspected that they might be a selfish jerk, then what you might say to them in this moment is you better keep on walking and, and not sit at this table, right? It depends on what you believe about that person. Uh, here's another scenario. Imagine that it's Thanksgiving and you're walking up the driveway, you're walking up to the front porch to your mom's house and you're carrying your green bean casserole because you love green bean casserole and, and you ring the doorbell. Now, what are you feeling in that moment as, as you wait for your mom to come and, and open the door? Well, it kind of depends on what you believe about your mom, right? If you've always had a great relationship with your mom, if you have every reason to believe that your mom loves you and, and cares about you, if you have every reason to believe that your relationship with your mom is going to continue to be good, then in that moment, you're, you're probably feeling relaxed. You're probably feeling excited to be able to, to spend some time with this person who loves you and, and who you love very much. On the other hand, if you've always had a strained relationship with your mom, if she's always criticizing you, judging you, questioning your, your life choices, if you have every reason to believe that that is going to continue, 
then you're probably feeling the opposite. As you wait for your mom to open the door, you're probably feeling tense. You're probably feeling defensive and, and anxious. It kind of depends on what you believe about your mom. Hey, here's another scenario. I promise I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, imagine, this one's kind of intense, so buckle up. Imagine that there is a person uh, carrying a sharp metal object and they're walking towards you and you can tell that they intend to do something with that sharp metal object that is going to hurt you. How do you respond to that person in that moment? Well, again, it kind of depends on what you believe about that person. If that person is your doctor, and if what, that sharp metal object that they're holding is a shot, and if you have every reason to believe that, that your doctor has your best interests at heart, and this shot they're getting ready to give you is, is for your own good, then you probably just sit there and let the doctor do what they're going to do. On the other hand, uh, if the person with the sharp metal object is some scary looking dude coming at you on the street, you probably should not just sit there. You probably need to run. Again, it depends on what you believe about this person, right? My, my point with all of these scenarios is just to point out that, that what we believe about a person always, always, always shapes our relationship with that person. What, what we believe about a person shapes the way that we talk to that person, shapes the way that we feel about that person, shapes the way that we respond and, and interact with that person. Now, that's pretty obvious and, and you probably already knew that, but what I want to highlight for us today is that the same thing is true in our relationship with God. The same thing is true in our relationship with God, meaning that the, what we believe about God shapes our relationship with God. What we believe about God shapes the way that we talk to God, shapes the way that we feel about God, shapes the way that we respond to God in our lives. If we believe that God is loving, that God is compassionate, then we're likely to, to feel love back towards God. We're likely to, to, to feel a sense of trust there, right? We're, we're likely to be open to, to listening for God's guidance for how we should live our lives. On the other hand, if we believe that God is cold and God is distant, if we believe that God is vengeful, if we believe that God doesn't exist at all, we're, we're going to feel a different way about God, right? It's going to shape our relationship a different way. We, we, we might fear God. Uh, we might resent God. If we don't believe God exists at all, we, we might simply ignore God. Again, what we believe about God inevitably shapes our relationship with God. And, and all of this means that, that our beliefs matter, and they matter a lot, certainly, if we want to have a good relationship with God. If we want to have the kind of relationship with God that God wants to have with us, then, then our beliefs about God matter a whole lot. So why am I telling you all, all this? What, what is all this uh, about? Well, we are starting a new sermon series today, and I'm excited about this. Uh, we're in the season of Lent right now. It's the six-week season that leads us up to Easter. And during these next six weeks, we're going to be doing a series where we're thinking together about some of the foundational beliefs of the Christian faith. And the goal of this series is not just for us to learn some things about God in a kind of abstract way. It's not just to hit some of the, the core tenets of, of Christian theology, although we will try to do that. Uh, but more importantly, that this relationship, I, I hope, is going to help to enrich our relationship with God. 
Now, as we're exploring the, the foundations, uh, the foundational beliefs of the, the Christian faith, uh, we're going to be exploring this thing together called the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed. Some of you already know about the Apostles' Creed. You're familiar with it. Uh, others of you may have no idea what I'm talking about. So to make sure that we're all on the same page, uh, the Apostles' Creed is uh, what we call a statement of faith, a statement of faith. All churches, regardless of denomination, regardless of, of what type, all churches have different ways of stating their faith, of kind of summarizing what it is that that particular church believes about God. If you go on any church website, you'll, you'll see different kinds of, of statements and summaries of, of what that church believes. In fact, I would guess that for many of you, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this right now, probably before you ever listened to any sermons for Kindred, but before you ever set foot uh, at Kindred, you probably spent some time clicking around on our website to kind of get a sense of, of what do we believe about God. You, you read some different statements that, that we have there, right? So, so statements of faith abound. That's, that's not particularly unique. But what's unique about the Apostles' Creed is that this statement of faith goes way, way back. In fact, it's one of the oldest uh, statements of faith in all of church history. Many scholars believe that the Apostles' Creed actually dates back to as early as the 100s A.D., meaning that within about a hundred years of Jesus, maybe just a little bit more, Christians were already using this statement of faith as a, a summary of what we Christians believe about God. And not only is the Apostles' Creed one of the oldest statements of, of Christian faith, uh, it's also one of the most widely embraced statements of Christian faith even to this day. And, and in fact, um, even for denominations that don't uh, officially affirm the Apostles' Creed, uh, almost all of them would uh, believe in what the Apostles' Creed says, even if they don't officially endorse the creed uh, itself. And so, as we're exploring together some of the foundational beliefs of the Christian faith, we're going to use the Apostles' Creed uh, as a guide, and, and I think it's about the best guide that, that we could use um, for this. Uh, so, uh, with, with that in mind, some of you may be wondering, like, well, okay, but what does the creed say? What, what is the uh, Apostles' Creed? We've conveniently put this in the video description for you or the podcast uh, description, so uh, don't do this if you're driving, but you can pull up the, uh, the, the podcast description, video description here, and, and you can check out the full text of the uh, Apostles' Creed. Now, real fast, before we start talking about the creed itself and, and kind of unpacking it a, a little bit, um, some of you, I'm guessing, some of you are probably feeling a little nervous about this whole creed thing. And I, I totally get that. You, you might be thinking to yourself, like, what if, what if I don't believe what the creed says? What if I have questions about the creed? Some of you may be thinking, like, why is the church always telling me what I have to believe? So, so let me just say a couple things here that I, I hope will kind of set your mind at ease uh, about this. Um, if you have questions about the creed, if you have doubts, even if you have skepticism about the creed, that is okay. Uh, we, we are not using the Apostles' Creed as a kind of litmus test. Uh, this is not an insider-outsider kind of thing. Uh, we, we are not the kind of church that thinks that if you don't believe every line of this, you're going to burn in hell forever or anything like that. Not at all, not at all, not at all. Our, our church does uh, officially acknowledge and, and affirm the uh, Apostles' Creed. We, we take it as an authoritative statement of faith. It shapes the way that we teach here and our approach to ministry. And my card's on the table. Uh, I, my hope would be that if you hang around uh, Kindred Church for, for some time, uh, if you don't already, you're, you're going to 
start to believe this stuff. You're going to start to affirm for yourself what the Apostles' Creed teaches us uh, about God. But but what I want you to know is that even if you you never believe what the Apostles' Creed has to say about God, you, you still belong at Kindred Church. You still belong at Kindred Church. So I hope that kind of sets your mind at ease about all of this. I hope you'll keep an open mind about the Creed as we explore it throughout this series. Uh, there's a great theologian named Ted Lasso. Maybe you've heard of him, Ted Lasso. Uh, he reminds us that we should be curious and not judgmental. We should be curious and not judgmental. That's a great mentality to have as we're exploring the creed together because the, the reality is, you know, whatever you think about the creed, uh, wherever you're at on your particular faith journey, for, for all of us, this series is an opportunity for us to, to do some reflection on what we believe about God and how that's shaping our own relationship with God. So that's kind of the intro to this series. That's where we're going. Uh, hopefully I've, I've piqued your interest at least a, a, a little bit. Um, but uh, let, let's turn now to actually unpacking some of what the Creed has to say in the, the few minutes that we have left here today. I want to say a word about this first line of the Apostles' Creed and, and how I think this um, helps to shape our relationship with God. So uh, don't do this if you're driving, don't do this if you're driving, but if you're not driving and you're able to, um, pull up the video description, pull up the podcast description, take a look at the text of the Apostles' Creed, uh, and if you're comfortable with it, uh, let's just say the first line of the Creed out loud uh, together, so you can read this along with me. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I don't know how that lands with you. I don't know if there's any words or phrases in, in that line that kind of jump out to you. But as I was reflecting on it this week, uh, what stood out to me is that I think there's something deeply countercultural that is being communicated in this opening line of the creed. And, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. So uh, for context, um, last year in, in 2022, Gallup did this big national survey and one of the things they found in this survey was that the vast, vast majority of Americans say that they believe in God. Like upwards of 80% of all Americans say that they believe in God. However, however, that very same survey found that of the Americans who believe in God, about half of them do not believe that God is active in the world. So upwards of 80% of Americans say they believe in God. But about half of those people, so roughly about 40% of the American population, it seems, believes that that God is, is not active in the, the world. And so what this suggests is that there's this huge portion of our society who believes that there is a God who invented, right? There is a God who kind of created everything in the beginning. God set everything up. God built the universe. God put it all into motion. But this God is not really invested, that, that now that the universe is up and running, now that things are, are operating, that this God doesn't really intervene, this God's not really involved, that this God is just kind of hands-off, like an like a impartial uh, observer. Uh, some people have likened this view of God to God as like a, a clockmaker. You know, I mean, we, we don't use analog clocks so much uh, anymore, but still, you can, you can think about a clockmaker, that God designed the universe and God built the universe to, to run on its own, kind of like a clock, right? That in the beginning, you know, you can imagine God like making the gears and making the mechanisms and the laws of physics and, you know, fitting all the pieces together. And God winds up this, this clock-like universe and, and then God lets it run. 
And, and just like a clockmaker doesn't stand there working the, the clock, God doesn't sit here working the universe. God is at a distance. God is at best an impartial uh, observer. Th this idea that God invented, but God is not really invested, not, not in an active kind of way. Well, for some people, this image of God as, as kind of like a clockmaker, some people find this to be really, really liberating. And maybe this resonates with, with some of you. Because if God is not invested, then what that means is that we're basically on our own. And that can be very freeing. Like we're free to live how we want to live and do what we want to do and think how we want to think. We don't have to worry about God's expectations of us. We don't have to worry about God judging us for things that we get wrong or holding us accountable. We don't have to worry about any guilt that we might feel if, if we don't do what God wants us to, to do. It's kind of like uh, when you first move out of your parents' house for the first time and you have that freedom of like there's no curfew, that uh, there's no getting grounded anymore, there's nobody peppering you with questions that you don't want to answer. I mean, you can have Pop-Tarts for dinner, you can throw your dirty socks on the floor and just leave them there and no one's going to say anything except maybe your roommate. Uh, so, so it can be liberating for some people to, to think of God as like this hands-off kind of clockmaker. At the same time, that view of God can also be kind of crushing emotionally. It can be kind of crushing because if it's true that, that God invented but God is not invested, if it's true that we're basically on our own, then what that means is that we're, we're basically on our own. You know, it means that, that we can't call on God and expect help. We, we can't depend on God and expect God to provide anything for us. We can't trust in God and, and expect God to, to help us. And, and that can be pretty crushing to, to be all on our own, right? I mean, we, we kind of, I think we see this playing out in, in society. If you look at the research, uh, it shows us that the generations right now in our society, the generations who are least likely to believe in a God who is active in the world, those are the same generations that are most likely to experience loneliness. And the generations that are uh, least likely to believe in a God who is active in the world, those are the same generations that are most likely to experience anxiety, to experience depression, to experience feelings of, of, of hopelessness. Now, obviously, there's a, there's a whole lot of variables there, and, and I understand correlation is not causation. I was a political science major in undergrad, so please don't email me about research methods. I get it. Uh, I get it. But I don't think anyone could look at the data and deny that there is a very strong correlation there. And it makes sense, you know, it makes sense that, that if we feel like we're all on our own, that could be crushing because the reality is in life, we all go through times when life is too much to bear on our own. And if we, if we are all on our own, of course, we would feel overwhelmed by that. Of course, it would cause anxiety and, and depression and hopeless. I mean, how, how could it not? But, but what the, the research tells us is that there's, that there's a huge portion of our society that, that kind of sees God in this way. God is uh, inventor, but, but God is not invested. And so that's why, that's why when I look at this first line of the Apostles' Creed, what, what jumps out to me is that this is so countercultural. And I also think that this is really, really good news for us. It's really good news. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What is that saying to us? 
It's saying to us as Christians, our, our beliefs are a little different about all of this. That, that yes, of course, we believe that, that God set everything up in the beginning. God is the maker of heaven and earth. God, God did start everything and, and put everything into motion, absolutely. But notice what the creed does not say. The creed does not say, I believe in God, the clockmaker almighty. No, it says, I believe in God, the Father. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, because Christians don't believe that God is, is like a, a clockmaker who set everything up and then walked away, but, but we believe that God is like a father. God is like a, a perfect parent, and just like a perfect parent, God is loving, and God is active, and God is involved, and God is relational, and God is invested. We don't just believe that God invented. We believe that God is deeply, deeply invested. Now, I imagine that as we talk about God with this language of Father, some of you have some reservations about this. Some of you are cringing on the inside, and I get that. Like, you know, are we saying that God is male or that God is masculine? Are we saying that God is just like this divine version of our own parents? Like, what about those of us who have really broken relationships with our own parents? And some of you might put yourself into that category. Those are great questions, and I'd love to chat with you in more detail about those questions if you're interested. We can chat offline. But the short answer is no. When we call God Father, we're not saying God is male. We're not saying God is masculine. And we're also not saying that God is just a divine version of our own parents, because I don't care how good your parents were or are, they're imperfect, right? And so that makes them very different from, from God. God is like a perfect parent. Again, meaning God is active, God is loving, God is relational, God is involved, God is invested, deeply, deeply, deeply invested. Um, if, if you just can't get past that language of father, if that's just too problematic uh, for you, that the scripture that I read a few minutes ago, it gives us, it kind of takes the same idea and gives us a, a, a similar but, but different image for, for this. Um, Psalm 100 in, in verse 3, it says this, it says, know that the Lord is God. He made us, talking about humanity. He made us, and then what? God made us and, and walked away. God just left us to be all on our own. No, it says he made us and, and we belong to him. And then check out this metaphor. It says we are his people, the what? Did you catch this? We are, the pe we are his people. We are the sheep of his own pasture. We are the sheep of his own pasture. It's saying God is like the perfect shepherd. And we are like God's sheep. Now, now think about this. Can you imagine a shepherd who got a bunch of sheep in his flock and pulled them all together, and then the shepherd just leaves? The shepherd just completely wanders off and, and leaves his, his sheep to fend for, for themselves. No real shepherd would ever do that, right? I once saw a, a Christmas pageant, actually, where uh, one of the little boys playing a shepherd, uh, he, he uh, had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the pageant. And so, like, right in the middle, he, he just, like, walked down the hall to, to go potty, uh, left the sheep all alone. That would never happen in real life, right? Because a, a real shepherd knows those, those sheep are so dependent on him. That the sheep are depending on him for food and for guidance and for security and, and, and for safety and, and so much more. That the shepherd, any real good shepherd, 
It's going to be deeply invested in their sheep. And so, again, if that language of father for God is, is just too problematic for you, I, I get it. Uh, this image of a, a shepherd uh, get, kind of gives us the, the similar idea and, and a different image that we can lean into. But, but either way, the, the point is we don't just believe that God invented. We believe that God is invested, deeply, deeply invested. So in closing here, in, in wrapping up, uh, let me leave you with a question that I would love for you to keep thinking about and, and keep pondering uh, throughout the rest of this week. And, and the question is this, are there certain parts of your life where you kind of struggle to believe that, that God really is invested? Are, are there certain parts of your life where you have a tendency to feel like you're basically on your own. It could be that you struggle to see how God is involved in your work life. Uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to our previous sermon series that we just wrapped up. Uh, but, but it could be that you struggle to, to, to see how God is involved in your personal finances. Maybe you struggle to see how God is involved in your romantic life. It could be that you struggle to see how God is involved in any part of your life. I don't know what it is for, for you, but my homework for you this week is to, to think about, are there certain areas of my life where I'm kind of assuming uh, that, that God is, is not really involved or I'm struggling to see how God is involved? And if you identify any of those areas in your life, I would encourage you to just sp spend a little time in prayer about that this week. It doesn't have to be a lot of time, but, but, but just pray like, God, help me to see what it means that you are my father in this area of my life. Help, it, help me see, God, what it means that you are my shepherd in this area of my life, that you are active and loving and, and personal and relational and deeply invested in me and in every single area of my life. And and as you reflect on that and as you pray about that, I, I hope and I expect what you're going to feel is, is this burden being lifted off your shoulders. I hope you're going to feel this, this weight being lifted off of you because the truth is you are not alone. It may feel that way sometimes, but you are not alone in any area of your life because you don't have a clockmaker. You have a father. You have a shepherd watching over you who is with you. And a foundational, foundational core belief of the Christian faith is that God didn't just invent you, but God is invested more than you can even imagine God is invested in you. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and uh, loving God, we're um, thankful for this opportunity that we have uh, over these next few weeks to, to do a little reflection on what it is that we believe uh, about you. God, we, uh, we go through our life and, and our beliefs about you uh, get formed and, and shaped. And sometimes we reflect on those in an intentional way. And, and a lot of times we, we don't. And, and either way, those beliefs are, are shaping our relationship with you, God. So we ask you to open us up um, during this series and, and help us to be uh, enriching our relationship by paying attention to what it is that we believe uh, about you. And, and God, um, we confess to you that uh, we, you know, we live in this culture, we live in in this world that that so often kind of guides us to, to think that uh, maybe you exist but but you're not really involved you're not really invested that maybe you are kind of the explanation of what started it all but that you're not really involved in, in our lives in an ongoing way God thank you for this good news and this reminder 
that that's actually not true. That not only uh, are you the one who invented us, but you are deeply, deeply invested in us uh, as well. God, um, we, we can struggle to believe that sometimes. And for anybody who's struggling with, with that, God, I pray that you would help them to, to overcome that unbelief so that all of us, so that all of us can lean uh, more deeply into your love and deeply into your presence, uh, knowing that we are not alone. Uh, thank you for that, uh, God, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, friends, uh, just a few things here quickly for us before we go. Um, if you are new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you. So if you'll click the connect link in the description, I would love to uh, reach out to you later this week and say, hey, I look forward to that. Uh, also, if you're local, we would love to see you in in-person worship. Go to our website, kindrednc.church, and uh, that'll get you the information about how you can worship with us. And then finally, um, we, as we move through the season of Lent, as, as we get closer and closer to Easter, we're going to have a lot of things going on, a lot of ways that you can engage with us at Kindred and, and keep growing in your faith with, with us. So uh, click the announcements link in the description and that will keep you up to speed on all of that. Uh, well, with that, friends, remember that we love you and we hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.